You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right. Welcome to the show, episode 39 of I Doubt It. I am your host, as always and forever. <laughs> we'll see. Jesse Dollimore, and across from me, sitting beautifully and knowledgeably and judgmentally, always. Is, is Brittany Page. Hello, everybody. As I said, welcome. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you tuning in time after time and day after day. This is your twice-weekly source for news. News. And ridiculous comment. Mm -hmm. Usually the ridiculous comment part comes from me, not the ever-respectable Brittany, but... Yeah. You know, I do what I can. Yeah. It's good. So, little news. Well, I guess it's not news, but it is... It's what we've been doing this week, which has been a lot of really nothing. Yeah, that's true. A lot of watching Nurse Jackie. Yeah. Yeah, we <laughs> we are in the middle of, of season five now? No, we are in season six now. Really? We, yeah, we just started season six. Wow. Okay, well, we so we burned through so. almost everything. In less than a week. I, I guess it's not that difficult since it's only Don't half hour. Don't tell people that. Since it's only half hour episodes. No, nah, we did. It's been like a month, everybody. But here, here's something. It, I figured something out for as long as I've known Brittany. You'd think I would have figured this out before, but I just realized something. Mm-hmm. Are you ready? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Brittany shows that Brittany should love Brittany Hates. Because Brittany can't handle complex characters. <laughs> because along with a complex character comes indelible character flaws. Uh -huh. For instance, Nurse Jackie cheats on her husband and puts her family and friends at risk relative to her illness, her drug addiction, mm -hmm. her active, crazy drug addiction. Mm -hmm. So Brittany hates her. I don't hate her. No, no, no. I, well, listen. It wouldn't be a fun episode or an interesting topic if I said, you know, Brittany just rather dislikes her and blah, 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 blah. Well, I don't even. I don't even dislike her. I just would prefer that she make better choices. Right. The, Brittany's idea of entertaining television would be <laughs> people wake up, they make breakfast for their kids, mm -hmm. and they go to their 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 high paying jobs in the cities yep and then commute back home to the suburbs and have a family game night and ha have have a it's a, she would like to watch the mormons <laughs> seasons 1 through 2000 yeah like, there's no conflict everybody gets along yeah. no one is maladjusted that that would be the ideal sitcom for Britney Page there would be no there wouldn't be a rich tapestry of characters. Mm -hmm. There wouldn't be any Nurse Jackies, the aforementioned. There wouldn't be Vic Mackey from The Shield. Mm -hmm. There would be no Tony Sopranos or anybody else on that TV show. Yeah. It would be the Mormons. Yeah. With Family Game Night on Monday. Yeah, I don't... Is Is there a problem here? I'm not picking <laughs> just, up a... In, t in writing, it, it, it wouldn't be entertaining. You're exaggerating because I clearly still like all of these shows and I watch all of these shows. I just get frustrated. Of course you do because there's no other, there's no other choice for you. The, the, what I think is interesting... Is I enjoy watching Nurse Jackie. What do you mean there's no other choice for me? I'm choosing to watch it. There, well, I'm saying there's no other TV to watch where there is... There is no Mormon channel. <laughs> Unless you're going to watch a fucking Tyler Perry show. There has been one case, though, that has stuck out in my mind. Because I spent a little time thinking about this before talking about it. And that would be Al Swearingen. My spirit animal. You fucking love Al Swearingen, mm -hmm. who is a dirty, dirty bastard. Yeah. 
No, not, yeah, think, let me think about it. He is a fucking animal. No, he's for sure a terrible person, but maybe what makes him so likable is Ian McShane's uh, superb acting and the way that he portrays him. He does a good job. But he definitely, We're yeah, talking about he's, probably, he's probably the most flawed character. We're talking about the HBO three-season three series Deadwood, for those of you who don't know, which, by all accounts, is probably in the top ten series of all times, even though it only ran for three oh, seasons. Oh, for sure. So Al Swearingen is probably the most flawed character out of all the characters that you've mentioned so far, I would say. He's yeah. abusive. He's a pimp. He, you know, kills people. He's he's not a great guy. But he is still really likable. He's unapologetically ruthless. And that's, I mean, Nurse Jackie is likable. I have a harder time with Vic Mackey and Tony Soprano. I just, I'm not as forgiving. I used to. We watched a little <laughs> bit of Parenthood for a while, and there's a young autistic boy, or who he has Asperger's. I'm not sure. Max. One of the two. He's on. He's on the autism spectrum. If we'll talk in terms of the DSM five. Yeah. <laughs> and he always used to want people to have consequences, and that's that's the word he used. So for a long time. I called Brittany Max Braverman because <laughs> she always wants people to have fucking consequences. Yeah, and I've been wanting people to have consequences since before Max Braverman came along and wanted people to have consequences. So, and that's kind of when I watch shows and there are people behaving badly and there's people that are severely maladjusted, I just get frustrated because they're never held accountable. Well, that and I want to help them and I want someone to help them because yes. I, you know, they're struggling too. You know, Tony Soprano was completely screwed up in his head. Sure. N Nurse Jackie's completely messed up. And, and so I, I want them to do better and treat other people better is my I get main it. thing. I get it. it's, you have too much heart and too much empathy. Yeah, so I just get really frustrated <laughs> by a-holes is pretty much what I'm saying. You would think I would be the one who would talk during TV and who would interrupt the flow of the show. No, but that's me pausing it and going on a rant. Well, I have to be the one oftentimes to pause it because you just launch off into this tirade ranting. And I'm like, well, fuck, hang on. Let's pause it and let's <laughs> let's hash this out. Oh, it's so nice that you pause <laughs> it and listen to my rants. <laughs> So normally it's just lifting your finger and pointing at the TV silently. <laughs> no one's going to get that, but that is what I do. Yeah. Just to remind you, hey, there, there's a show going yeah, on. The sound is on. <laughs> Let's watch the TV. So that is a new discovery for me. And it's, uh, it's a good one. It's yeah. a good one. And I will keep the audience updated most certainly on, on your progress because I'm hoping you'll, you'll get a little better. What do I need to get better? I just said I like the shows. I like the characters. I just struggle a little bit. Well, I hope your struggle lessens. How about that? So that I end up loving Tony Soprano and Vic you, Mackey? No, I think to, there would be something wrong with me if that were the case. You don't need to love them, but to appreciate the awesome character that's been created and that's been written by the minds of these awesome writers is boring characters have no conflict. Well, it's almost like saying boring people aren't worth knowing. No, 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 no. I wouldn't say that at all. You wouldn't watch their life as it. Oh, yeah. What's going to happen? Because you know what's going to happen. They're going to live their life healthily, and they're going to have a wonderful time. There's no entertainment value there. Where entertainment comes in with these characters and with these shows is that there's high drama and conflict. It's why I stopped watching the douche fest. That show Entourage on 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 uh, MTV. It seemed like an MTV show on <laughs> on HBO. Yeah, like on the fourth season or so, because there was no longer any conflict. Mm -hmm. It's oh, he's super rich and he lives in a mansion, and they get to go to parties and and bang hot models. Oh, fuck, that's I'm not living vicariously through those douchebags. I want a, a show that is rich in drama and where, where there's conflict and you. How are they going to get out of this mess? You know, yeah. so we will see. Yeah, we, we will see. In other news this week, I I shared on on my personal Facebook page and on the the I Doubt It Facebook page, 
which if you'll notice at the top of the show, we did not talk. Actually, we didn't talk about any of that shit. Yeah, you keep forgetting. Once again. Well, I want to give the audience a break from me schlepping the different methods by which they can find us. If they really are, are, are dead set on finding us, it's there. Yeah. The one thing I would like to mention is the Amazon link on dollamore.com. If you'd like to buy a book or cosmetics for you ladies out there, maybe a mud mask or, you know, Brittany has this, this little jar that is like green mud in it. That's like $80 yeah. for just a little bit of mud. And it it's lasted as long as, maybe as long as I've known you. A oh, long, I've had it since like 2005. Yeah, a long time. Yeah. And you're still dipping in and using it. Anyway, you can buy that kind of crap on Amazon. You can buy anything on Amazon. If you're going to spend your money anyway, go to dollamore.com and your purchase there goes a long way to helping out the show. So thanks a lot. We appreciate it very much. It's a resounding assistance. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to the topic. I shared it also on our Facebook page. It is a... It was something that Tammy Bruce, who's a radio host, a a conservative radio host, she shared. And a guy I went to high school with, and I I was going to say served in the Marine Corps with, but he, uh, because if you don't know. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. I I was in the Marine Corps. Um, (laughs) uh, Isaac, I don't know that we, I think we probably were in the Marine Corps at the same time, but we had nothing to fucking do with one another. Um. It's a guy whose opinions differ almost diametrically from my own. Now, did you have nothing to do with him because you knew that in the future he would be posting dumb memes that make no sense? Or I wasn't that smart or forward-looking, mm-hmm. but I, I should have known. Yeah, you had a sense. <laughs> right. So he posts this picture, and there's two rows of leaders. Two rows of six leaders. On the top, it says, people who think you should be able to own guns. And in the row are George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, Abraham Lincoln, Mahatma Gandhi, and Martin Luther King Jr. And below that, people who think you shouldn't be able to own guns. King George, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin... Mao Zedong, Kim Jong-il, and the last leader, Barack Obama. Wow. Yeah. Someone's trying to make a stupid point there, it would seem. Stupid is very apt. It's very unintelligent, and it it only serves to strike up ridiculous controversy. Well, and it's a logical fallacy, because the top row of people, that's an argument from authority, you're trying to, you know, appeal to authority with these people are widely respected by everybody right they hold this opinion so we should respect this opinion and all these people that hold this opinion that is absolutely true and it's a logical fallacy i didn't even think about well first of all let let me say this there's a couple things one i immediately um shit on him on his facebook wall about it and kind of questioned him and called him out because it's total bullshit isaac if you're listening and I hope you will, because I will certainly let you know that you did appear on the <laughs> on the show. Um, is one you were a marine, so I personally would hold you to a little higher standard relative to respect for our leaders. Yeah. Um, well, that's part of the role of someone who's in the military. Yeah, but I think it carries on. It's not. Look. I think that pre- that Ob- Barack Obama is likely our in the top for certainly in the top 10 of our worst presidents. I think he's terrible. I didn't vote for him either time and if he was able to run again, I would most certainly not vote for him again. But to to uh, to align him on to directly compare him to Hitler and Stalin and Mao Zedong and Kim Jong Il is wildly stupid. Yeah. And it's it's hyperbolic and it only serves to divide us. For sure it does. Well, because it just makes the polarization that we see worse yeah. and no one wants to reconcile the differences when you have someone making these outlandish claims and comparisons. 
you know, he's not going to draw in any liberals and, and engage in an important conversation logically and possibly convert them to his way of thinking with his crazy polarization on this issue. Right. Well, I would I would read what his response was. In fact, I really should try to do it. But it's for somebody who has for has uh, who has an advanced degree. I think he has a master's degree in counseling or something like that. Uh, he certainly should have taken more English classes. He really loves the ellipsis, except his ellipsis, his ellipsi, I guess it would be, contain like 10 periods. <laughs> I don't think that's an ellipsis at that point. Yeah, it's just a, it's, it's like a, a string of pearls. That's like a long sigh, I would read that as. <laughs> so there is one response. Um, there is one response I want to read relative to... Because I put this out there for people to comment on. Saying it would be on the show. Yeah, talking about it on the show. And I have a friend who is um very intelligent dude. And Austin commented, and he said this. He says, It's always a dangerous game categorizing people into generalized groups based on one factoid or, or belief. Fortunately for history, people are made up by more than just one idea. Not to mention that this propagates the opinion that Obama is completely anti-gun, which is not the case at all. Regulatory policy does not equate anti-anything. We have speed limits so we don't kill one another. Food quality standards so we don't kill one another. Standards in medicine, you guessed it, so we don't kill one another. There is dangerous ignorance in this type of speech, and it is often successful in rallying a posse of seething idiots ready to fight, misinformed and misdirected about something they cannot comprehend because it involves more than one quote-unquote idea. We live in a society where absolutely everything is regulated, and you're choosing to stand up for this fight? Really? Not LGBT rights, equality? or veteran services, or support of the homeless, or fighting to get our education system out of the shitter? No, you're choosing to get emotional over a gun, a weapon, a tool, an inanimate object that has potential destructive capacity when utilized improperly. The government wants to take your gun away from you about as much as it wants to take your car. It just wants them to be used properly. Using this paranoid logic, these idiots should be upset with traffic signals and the pregnancy warning labels on the 36-pack of cores when they, that, uh, that they picked up at Walmart. But shit, son. <laughs> but shit, son. Maybe if they had been taught how to read in the first place, they could have utilized their condoms correctly instead of creating an army of idiotic, gun-wielding, emotionless psychos. He, he gets a little bit hyperbolic at the end there. A little ad hominem. He also says, oh, wait, the instructions are in pictograms, so you're still just an idiot. <laughs> and I'm the one generalizing. Doesn't seem fair, right? Fucking Austin. You can always count on Austin for a, a, a thoughtful, metered response. And I agree with almost everything he says there. My position and my problem with that gun argument is I am a supporter of gun rights. I have uh, a lot of respect for the Second Amendment, and I don't believe that it's strictly for for military use. I believe it is an individual right. I've said it on the show before. The first ten amendments of the con the Constitution, the what we call the Bill of Rights, they are individual rights. It starts with free speech and the right to assemble and the freedom of religion and all that, and it ends with states' rights. So the very the first few are absolutely individual rights. Yeah. So we we disagree. I think we probably do disagree, and Austin and I do. But that's the wonderful thing about a guy who's super smart is you can disagree agreeably, and we do. So anyway, Isaac, I, you know, I think that uh, you would serve your your Facebook followers or your Facebook friends far better if you provided thoughtful thoughtful pictures and information not just wild accusatory hyperbolic fucking inflamed political i i, I just i, I want to say information but it's not information it's misinformation yeah i think my favorite part of what austin said is that obama 
is not wanting to take everybody's guns. It's funny that these, you know, Duck Dynasty goofballs are, oh, they're going to come into my house and take my guns. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, so calm down. And he's not Hitler. He's not Joseph Stalin. And it's embarrassing, you know, frankly, to make that comparison. Yeah, you you said it. He's not great. He's not the greatest president. But he's not Hitler. And oh he's not God. Joseph Stalin. Well, it, here's another thing. It's to compare Obama to Hitler, one, is shitty and disrespectful to the president of the United States of America. Yeah. But also, I think it lessens the impact and just how shitty Hitler was. When oh, you're yeah. naming Joseph Stalin, between Stalin and Adolf Hitler, there were close to 20 million human beings who were who were led to slaughter, who were genocidally murdered. Yeah. So you're comparing Obama to those fuckers is it's beyond disrespectful. It's you, you need to retract your the, the stupid thing that you put on Facebook and to disalign yourself with the likes of that hag Tammy Bruce. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because the the GOP is in a an unfortunate situation right now where they aren't doing so great and the nope. presidential election is rapidly approaching and they need to cut this crazy, you know, polarization of these these um ideas. Absolutely. And Isaac would do well to post things that open up conversation. Yes. Logical conversation and don't cause a knee jerk reaction in people and, you know, anger, I guess you could say, because that is ridiculous. And no yeah. one's going to want to have a civil conversation with someone who posts that that's on the opposite side of the spectrum. Yeah. And if we want to have open conversations and, and try to work logically, we need to be you know, thinking about what we post and what it means. Well, it's the other reason why I didn't come at this just completely shitting on Isaac. Because Isaac is clearly a smart guy. Yeah. He has a graduate degree. He He's not a complete mook. But it reminds me of a line out of Goodwill Hunting where he talks about, so you fucking people, you, you surround yourself with books, but they're the fucking wrong books. Yeah. And that might be part of it, that he's he's so sucked into and he's also a religious guy yeah he's so sucked into his faith that he he blindly is following that agenda point rather than thinking about it rationally and reasoning it out because in his fr seemingly frantically written response to me and another gentleman he he says well no if you read what i said i said on this one point that's they all agree. Well, that's great, but you can't put him on a line of people comparing him directly to and not understand and know that that's going what that does in someone's mind because what it's, the implication it's is it's visual absolutely it's visual and you are implying he's the same as these other absolute fuckers and it's it's a terrible disingenuous thing to do and like I said in fa on Facebook, you're better than that, Isaac. So moving on, we're going to talk about an irrational weirdo named Brian Fisher, who hosts some kind of radio show, I guess. There's always a camera, and he's got a picture of the, the preamble of the Constitution behind him and, you know, how the, 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 the radical right, right wing of the, of, the of the political spectrum or the Republican Party they really wave the flag and they really they go the extra mile to try to seem extra patriotic as though that's makes their uh, opinions more valid. Yeah, makes them look legitimate. Brian Fisher believes he has identified the real tragedy of the shooting down of the Malaysian Airlines flight MH17 in Ukraine on Thursday. Men are still, despite his best efforts to stop it, having sex with other men. Fisher of Mississippi is a nationally syndicated Christian radio host and the director of issue analysis for government and public policy at the American Family Association, an anti-LGBT, anti-pornography, anti-21st century nonprofit founded as the National Federation for Decency in 1977. 
The outfit was listed as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center in 2010. His tweet read, Obama politicizes deaths of AIDS researchers on Malaysian plain. We know how to stop AIDS. Persuade men not to have sex with men. Because as we know, among the 298 passengers aboard the flight were AIDS researchers and advocates on their way to an international AIDS conference. I love that. Well, there's two things I want to talk about. One is these people, these these far right-wing Christian conservatives who are obsessed, fucking obsessed with homosexuality. Yeah. It goes back to Wiener Boy. Truth Wiener. Uh, sorry. Truth Wiener. God damn it. Truth Wiener. It's like Truth Wiener, Kevin Swanson. And Truth Wiener, we use that phrase just oh, right. for people who don't follow along. The study, Every episode, right. Yeah, the study that we talked about on, you know, one of the first five episodes, I guess we I would say, where they found that homophobic men are most aroused by homosexual porn, and they actually put a device on their penises while they watched different kinds of porn. And the men who had more negative attitudes toward homosexual men got aroused while watching homosexual porn. That's exactly So we called him Truth Wiener. Then you'd have to go because people who who you know hate homosexuals or who you know are are making it their number one issue to fight against obviously have something going on. If you'd like to catch those um, episodes, you can either search Kevin Swanson in iTunes in the podcast area, and I'm sure our podcast picture will show up, or you can go to dollamore.com and search Kevin Swanson. And that tag will show up if yeah. you'd like to listen to those episodes. And they were great early episodes. But so what I'm saying here is that guys like Kevin Swanson, the truth wiener, and guys like Brian Fisher, who's just truth wiener junior, are they claim to be, oh, they're disgusted by homosexuality, but they're fucking obsessed with it. They won't shut up about homosexuality. They're making a link between the shooting down of a commercial aircraft where almost 300 people died to homosexuality. It's fucking bizarre. Yeah, and it's just unfortunate because there were many, you know, important AIDS researchers and advocates that were on this plane. And during a press conference at the White House on Friday, President Obama you know, express dismay at the loss of these people. He said these were men and women who had dedicated their own lives to saving the lives of others, and they were taken from us in a senseless act of violence. In this world today, we shouldn't forget that in the midst of conflict and killing, there are people like these, people who are focused on what can be built rather than what can be destroyed, people who are focused on how to on how they can help people they've never met. People who define themselves not by what makes them different from other people, but by the humanity that we hold in common. So it's just funny to compare that to this Brian Fisher D-bag who, you know, that was a really great statement that President of Obama course. issued. No doubt written by someone else, how, but still but, great. How can you take issue with that? And then he takes issue with it by saying, I'll tell you how to, to, to curb AIDS, persuade men from to stop having sex with one another how does he uh pr how does he propose that we persuade them is it by force is it by the might of the government what how would he well also we lost the aids researchers and advocates who not only advocate for a cure for aids for homosexuals but also for heterosexuals and children and babies because heterosexuals um individ individuals infected through heterosexual contact account for 25% of annual new HIV infections and 26% of people living with HIV so that's a quarter it's a massive percentage heterosexual so we lost researchers that are advocating for everybody not just homosexuals so he's making it solely a homosexual issue as though homosexuality and aids that's it those are the only that's right. the only connection to aids is homosexuals well they'll they only open their eyes wide enough to see gays having aids they yeah. don't it, it's a it's it's just like that another running off at the mouth asshole running for office in Minnesota. Um, what's that guy's name? Uh, Bob Fry. Remember him? Yeah. Recently, he came out, and it's a primary in Minnesota for the state 
legislature, the state house, and he is making sodomy a fucking campaign issue rather than issues that are important to Minnesotans. Minnesotans, I think is how you say it. Yeah. He's, it's, goddamn, it's, stick to what's important and what matters to the voters. Don't make it about sodomy, you, you homosexuality obsessed, quote unquote, straight man. Yeah, it's, it's very weird. So this Bob Fry guy, um, he said he is passionate about, you know, education and taxes and, and those important things, but he's also making sodomy one of his campaign issues. He says that his position on social issues does certainly need to be addressed for what it is. It's not about the gay agenda, but about the science and the financial impact of that agenda. It's more about sodomy than about pigeonholing a lifestyle. So he's trying to say that he doesn't have issue with a gay lifestyle. We always hear that, right? Or no, we don't usually hear that. <laughs> right? Cause it's yeah. Just... What just happened to me? Um, <laughs> And he's taking issue with the sodomy, which is their lifestyle. Usually that's kind of, they equate the two. So he's separating the two, which I don't, I don't, I don't understand well, his logic here. Let me, let me give you the audience a little flavor. Let me play a clip of just what kind of person and in, intellect he is. This is Bob Fry testifying before a Minnesota congressional committee. Dinosaurs have always lived with man. Is the rock wrong or is the theory wrong? I suggest to you that the theory is wrong. Dinosaurs have always lived with man. Here's a plesiosaur that wa washed up on the beach in Nova Scotia in 2002. This is a, a juvenile that also washed up on the beach in, uh, in Lake Erie. Professor Chris McCoskill's letter of recommendations attached to the Science from Minority Report addressing biology should be included in the science standards and benchmarks. I suggest doing the same types of revisions to other disciplines of the science standards as well, geology, cosmology, etc., reading the proposed standards of the known fraud, evolutionary theory worldview as being scientific fact, and teaching real science based upon what can be observed and tested, because there's so much real good science that can be taught as, as students develop the worldview and behavior. Two, two, two things. Sorry, I cut you off before you even had a chance. Two things. Um, he says it twice. Dinosaurs have always lived with man. Yikes. And and two, just a little a little side note for you, Bob Fry. Um, when you're testifying before a congressional committee, whether it be at the state level or federal level, um, it's not a fucking race. <laughs> the faster you get done talking and reading what you're reading the more reputable your opinion isn't. T take your time, take a breath, read sentence by sentence. Try to even maybe make it sound conversational like you're you're not reading something. But yeah. if you if you back up, if you rewind right there and listen, it's him talking about how dinosaurs in 2002 have washed up on the shore of Nova Scotia. It's complete ludicrous fucking wild bullshit he's in the same camp as like ken ham at the answers in genesis mm -hmm. where they believe that dinosaurs they believe effectively that the flintstones is kind of how it went down which i really want to go to the creation museum in san uh. diego i really want to go there but so bob fry explains his view here of um why the term aids exists and how it works so are you guys ready for him to drop a, a knowledge bomb on you? <laughs> Fry explains his view, quote, when you have an egg and a sperm that meet in conception, there's an enzyme in the front that burns through the egg. The enzyme burns through so the DNA can enter the egg. If the sperm is deposited anally, it's the enzyme that causes the immune system to fail. Mm. That's why the term is AIDS, acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. He's clearly an immunologist. So, you know, obviously this explanation of AIDS has no scientific validity. You can, you know, assume that just by the fact that he said it. <laughs> right? Well, he's reputable. But how does HIV become AIDS? HIV destroys CD4 cells, a specific type of white blood cell that plays a large role in helping your body fight disease. Your immune system weakens as more CD4 cells are killed, and you can have an HIV infection for years before it progresses to AIDS. And, you know, it's 
it's transmitted obviously more ways than gay sex, blood transfusions, sharing needles, uh, during pregnancy or delivery or through breastfeeding. Well, so got... it's not just always formed in an anus. <laughs> right. That's what he says that the this magic enzyme when it's inside the anus, it just magically transforms into HIV. Right. Well, it makes you wonder how straight housewives end up with AIDS because of dr blood transfusions or children, young children end, end up with it. Yeah. And so he's passed his fantastic ideas onto his son where he has just regurgitated everything that his dad has ever told him growing up, like, like a, so like a, many kids do. Like a baby bird. Yes. And Mike Fry is the son's name. He gave testimony before the House Civil Law Committee last year during uh, a debate over gay marriage. So we have that for you. My name is Mike Fry, and uh, I speak as a concerned Minnesotan and father and, and a husband. And uh, the thing about same-sex marriage is that... Well, I'm gonna, okay, we've got to stop it right there. Um, notice he didn't say, and I, I sit before you today as an immunologist or an epidemiologist. Uh, I, I sit before you today as an internal medicine doctor. I have my PhD in viral studies or... No, he's just a concerned parent and father. Yeah. He's a he's a citizen of Minnesota and he's concerned about but it. But listen, everybody's opinions and they're they're equal. <laughs> what do you mean? He doesn't need to have an education. You're right. I shouldn't denigrate his his opinion on the epidemic, the pandemic that is AIDS. It, he's a his opinion is just as valid as someone who has gone to years upon years upon years of medical school and studied one specific topic ad nauseum. See, now you're getting it. Okay. Well, he continues. And uh, the thing about same-sex marriage is that people who marry do have sex. And when same-sex uh, people are married, they do have sex, there's something called sodomy. Sodomy, defined in Minnesota, is sex by or with the mouth or, the, or through the anus. When there's ejaculation into a, into a vagina, there's a barrier there, as in your packet it states there, of a cellular tissue that doesn't allow the sperm that has an enzyme at the head of it to penetrate the blood flow. It is designed to go to the egg. That enzyme is designed to burn the outside membrane of the egg cell, go inside the egg, and then deposit the DNA. We call that conception. When ejaculation occurs inside of a colon, it's highly absorbent material. The cells do not have a barrier for the sperm and those enzymes to enter into the blood flow. When the enzymes enter into the blood flow and a continued prolonged um, um, environment to that happens, these enzymes into blood flow, it causes what we know as AIDS. Uh, acquired immune deficiency syndrome. Okay, so I we just we don't care about anything he's saying because it doesn't make any sense. It at doesn't all, cause but... HIV. It causes AIDS straight away. Yeah, I also love how you know they're taking issue with sodomy. Well, sodomy is also oral copulation. So do they not get blowjobs? Apparently not. Do they not go down on their lady friends? Mm. E Apparently they don't. Because they hate sodomy, and it's one of their campaign issues. It's a serious, serious matter. Maybe, maybe sodomy is more uh, prevalent and dangerous in Minnesota mm. than it is the rest of the world. Yeah. Because... It is where Michelle Bachman's husband is located. That is true. Marcus Bachman. Mm -hmm. He is from there, too. And he is possibly also a truth wiener. Well, I think it's possible, yes. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying that Marcus Bachman, Mike Fry, Bob Fry, and Brian Fisher are all closeted, angry, self-loathing homosexuals. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when I think about a closeted, self-loathing, asshole, self-loathing um, homosexual, I, I picture in my mind Brian Fisher, Bob Fry, Mike Fry, Kevin Swanson, it's these type of guys that I picture, but I'm not saying they are. Yeah. No. Yeah. Don't don't get me wrong, Brittany. I, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay. So Bob Fry goes on to talk about the financial impact of AIDS, and he says it's about sodomy. It's huge amounts of money. <laughs> AIDS is a long-term illness causing pain, suffering, death. A long-term illness that's very expensive to treat. It's almost like they're stuck in the 80s because... Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Because HIV is very manageable now. You know, we're not we're not calling it the... What, what was it called? Gay cancer. Yeah, or, we know what yeah. it is. And you can live a long time 
and manage it very well. And we, we've developed the medicines through science and, you know, we've figured out how to enable people to live long, healthy lives with HIV. So, you know, come on, Donald Sterling, and, you know, let's get it together here. Right. And when he had those AIDS. It's just backwards. Yeah, they're just a bunch of turds. And I uh. love, let's stop talking about it as if it's only a homosexual issue it's not i mean we just mentioned donald sterling and when he had those aids right and magic johnson is not a homosexual right well and also god damn you just said you just just in our previous topic mentioned that upwards of 25 percent of new aids cases every year are from Heterosexuals are, are, are of, of heterosexuals. It, it's just it's fucking ludicrous. But here's what I wanted you to do through heterosexual contact. When we listen, when we went on our trip last year and we went to D.C. and New York City, th there was a period where you were retweeting a bunch of Brian Fisher ridiculousness. And I also want to give a flavor for what kind of a maniac he is. So I'm sorry to kind of backtrack, but I, I just remembered this and I want Brittany to kind of cover some of these. Yeah, this is when the DOMA ruling happened in... The, the Defense of Marriage Act. Yes, sorry that I'm just spouting acronyms as if everybody will know what's happening. <laughs> um, and he was, you know, losing his mind, of course, because can't have people being happy and satisfied with their lives. Listen, God forbid someone finds someone they love and want to commit themselves to that one person for the rest of their lives. Yeah. That's a travesty. <laughs> Oh, yes, it is. So he says, in our battle to defend marriage as God has defined it, we will never give in. We will never, 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 never give in. I don't think he's ever going to give in. That's a lot of nevers. But also, as God has defined it, does he mean having several hundred concubines or several wives like David and Solomon did? Does, is that what he means? Or like Abraham, the father of everyone, he... He had, you know, when Sarah couldn't have kids, she allowed him to take a concubine, a second wife of sorts, like a, a wife junior. Yeah. And Hager had like, a kid. Yeah, like my canned uh, gay marriage response that I have saved in my email that I just copy and paste into arguments what? where I say, well, which which biblical definition of marriage are you are you attempting to follow here? Is it the one where the rape victim is forced to marry her rapist? Deuteronomy 22 verses 28 through 29. Or is it the one where Solomon has 700 wives and 300 concubines? Right. Kings 11.3. Right. It's, and that's it. They always fucking ignore. It, no, it's one man and one woman. Yeah, but what about all those other noble men of God? What about them? Yeah. So, sorry, continue with his jackassery. God defined marriage at the dawn of time as one man and one woman. Nope. What God has defined, the Supreme Court may not redefine. Actually, um, they did. They did, and they can because we don't live in a theocracy. We live in a secular, democratic republic, asshole. One man, Kennedy, has decided marriage policy for 315 million people. That is tyranny. All hail the king. Uh. And the last one. This DOMA ruling has now made the normalization of polygamy, pedophilia, Incest and bestiality inevitable. Matter of time. Matt, it's just, listen, it's just a mat. Listen, two men love one another. Two women. Two adults. They love one another, and they want to. They want to join in matrimony, in a in in a marital bond, in a union that is civilly recognized. The next step after that is a dude marrying his labradoodle. It's it's written. It's written in the stars. Yeah, or uh, pedophilia. I love how he throws that in there. Right. Right. That's going to... It's going to be three-year-olds with 50-year-old dudes. Yeah, adults consenting is equivalent to childs not being able to consent. Yeah. Apparently. Very, and, very confusing. But this guy has an audience. He is nationally syndicated. Yeah. It's disappointing. It, it's scary. Yeah. Because he's the Jesus-y version of Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Except times 100 because this guy's a fucking whack job. Yeah. So that gives you a little flavor of Brian Fisher 
Bob Fry and his little baby bird, Mike Fry. Um, we will at, we have shared some of this stuff on the Facebook page already, but we encourage you to go there and check it out and sound off. What's your opinion? You know, let's talk about it. Yeah. So next up, awesome. Very interesting. We're kind of staying with a the religious theme on the show, which I usually try to avoid on mass, but it's just happening today. Um, a, a new study that has found that... Well, a study published in the July issue of Cognitive Science determined that children who are not exposed to religious stories are better able to tell that characters in fantastical stories are fictional, whereas children raised in a religious environment approach unfamiliar fantastical stories flexibly. Yeah. So, in judgments about fact and fiction by children from religious and non-religious backgrounds, the researchers demonstrate that children typically have a sensitivity to the implausible or magical elements in a narrative and can determine whether the characters in the narrative are real or fictional by references to fantastical elements within the narrative, such as invisible sails or a sword that protects you from danger every time. Wow. So do, do they do they have examples of exactly what kind of quote-unquote fantastical tales I mean, what kind of stories did they tell the kids? I just want to kind of get a flavor for what um, what stories they provided and how they determined. Yeah, they did it in several different stages, and it was broken into two studies. So this PDF is actually available for download for free right now. I'm not sure if it's because the it's so new and they may, they let it be downloaded for free for a certain amount of time, but I'll go ahead and post that link on the Facebook so everyone can download the PDF. It's 30 pages. So it's, you know, a pretty detailed, uh, document, but manageably downloadable. Yeah. And what, what happened was, is they went through different phases and the kids were broken up into four different groups Uh, Three of the groups were religious and only one was secular. And the way they identified the secular kids is just that they don't go to church. Okay. And they went to public school. And so the other three groups of kids had been exposed to religion in various ways. Either they went to a religious school, they were churchgoers, they had religious elements to them. Sure. And they would ask them about familiar characters to distinguish between real and not real familiar characters like Goldilocks or Thomas Edison. Okay. So obviously when they kind of establishing a baseline, if they could, if they could establish that Goldilocks was made up in a fairy tale and Thomas Edison was a real human being that they, they could understand that the child had a grasp of what's real and what's fake. Basically. Exactly. Okay. And then they did um, story-based characters, and they told them a story about some people they've never heard of, and some of them are real, some of them are pretend, and then they had to put the picture of the real or pretend person in a real or pretend box. And they then presented nine characters, three in a realistic story context, three in a religious story context, and three in a fantastical story context. Uh, For example, the story of Joseph was told in three different contexts. Um, The religious one, this is Joseph. Joseph was sent to a mean king in a land far away. However, God sent Joseph many dreams, warning about terrible storms. (laughs) And Joseph used those dreams to tell the king how to protect his kingdom from the storms. The king was so amazed by Joseph that they became friends. Okay, that was the religious story. Right. This is a fantastical story. This is Joseph. Joseph was sent to a mean king in a land far away where there were terrible storms. Joseph used his magical powers to see into the future and told the king how to protect his kingdom from the storms. The king was so amazed by Joseph that they became friends. (laughs) So really not much different. Yeah. (laughs) Depending on who you are. Right. That is awesome. Realistic story goes like this. This is Joseph. Joseph was sent to a mean king in a land far away where there were terrible storms. The king realized that Joseph was very good at looking at clouds and predicting when there would be rain. The king was so amazed by Joseph that they became friends. Wow. So it's, you know, they're all fit to really get into the kid's head. They can understand the story. They can understand the elements. 
and kind of figure out which one is yeah, fantastical that's, that's and which awesome. one is realistic. Okay, and so then for for the second study, children were tested individually in a separate room in their school, and they received two separate tasks in a fixed order. Familiar characters and story-based characters. The familiar characters task was identical to that used in study one. So it's distinguishing between like Goldilocks or Thomas Edison, mm-hmm. who was real and who was fake. To provide the baseline. Yeah. And the control. then. Yeah. And then. Then story-based characters. So immediately following the last familiar characters trial, the experimenter said, now I'm going to tell you some stories about some people you've never heard of. After the story, I'm going to ask you to put the picture in the real or the pretend box. Then I'm going to ask you why you decided to put the picture in there. The experimenter then presented eight story-based characters and... Uh, As in study one, all of the characters were adapted from the Old and New Testaments of the Bible, but all were presented in the fantasy context only and with a name that was not tied to the biblical story. For example, in the story of Parting the Red Sea, Moses was called John. So the eight stories, it's not really a non-religious name. Why couldn't they have picked like... Gary. Yeah. So the eight stories were modified to exclude any reference to divine intervention so that the impossible event was presented as violating ordinary causal principles, but not as miracles. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's get into these stories here. In half of the stories, the causal violation was a familiar violation from the Bible story, example, parting the sea. In the remaining half of the stories, the causal violation was comparable in terms of its causal implausibility. But it was unfamiliar. So the example of the parting of a mountain. In addition, for half of the stories, the word magic was explicitly used. And in the other half, the word magic was not used. This resulted in four story conditions. So familiar and magic. This is John. John led his people when they were escaping from their enemies. When they reached the sea, John waved his magic stick. The sea parted into two parts, and John and his people escaped through the pathway in the middle. Then familiar, no magic. This is John. John led his people when they were escaping from their enemies. When they reached the sea, John waved his stick. The sea separated into two parts, and John and his people escaped through the pathway in the middle. Right. And then they have unfamiliar with magic and unfamiliar, no magic. Like, But in that case, they said that he split the mountain in two. With his stick. Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. So wh- what did they find? Yeah, so children raised in households in which religious narratives are frequently encountered do not treat those narratives with the same skepticism. The uh, researchers believed that these children would think of them as akin to fairy tales, judging the events described in them as implausible or magical, and conclude that the protagonists in such narratives are only pretend but children with exposure to religion via church attendance, parochial schooling, or both judged characters and religious stories to be real. By contrast, children with no exposure judged them to be pretend, just as they had the characters in fairy tales. But children with exposure to religion judged many characters in fantastical, but not explicitly religious stories to be real as well. It's, it's very striking. So the what the whole point of it is, I hope that I'm I'm able to summarize this. I hope people are understanding what I'm saying. Well, and if not, go download the goddamn PDF because we're going to put it up. That the people that have been ex- the children that have been exposed to religion have a difficult time figuring out if characters in fantastical stories, the ones that we heard where magic is used, mm-hmm. are fake. Right. Well, it's like I said, it, it, it's striking because for those of us who who were raised in a religious household or for those of us who were raised specifically in Christianity, when when you heard about how um, American Indians, when when their myths and, and, and legends of creation, when you heard them, you thought, what? That's ludicrous. That's bullshit. Or when you would when you would hear about greek or roman mythology it was clear that that stuff was bullshit but you never turned that same uh, skeptical lens on your own faith and if you growing up were to look at things step back into it some god created everything that we can see and not see in seven days or created the earth in seven days 
and he snapped light into existence and created man out of dirt and made him fall into a deep sleep and took a rib and created woman. I mean, these are, they're, uh, they're no different than other creation myths. It's just because you were raised from a child believing them, you're, you're prone to, to stick to that. Yeah, and that's that's kind of the unfortunate thing is this kind of illustrates that maybe it's messing with people's heads a little bit and that there's no other way to get people to believe this stuff unless they're fed it from when they're kids because yeah. they don't naturally possess the tendency to think people that are magic are real or that magic is real. That's exactly right. And well, If you were raised your entire life in a completely secular atheist home that you were never taught about the the dead rising to, to life or people flying or walking upon water, you, you would never have witnessed any of this, so you wouldn't believe it. And then when you're an adult, we're told these things, you would think... Yeah, that's not plausible. Uh, that's not plausible. That's complete bullshit. I've never seen that happen. I've never actually heard of that happening. There's no evidence that that took place. I don't believe it. So it would it would be a more logical, reasonable, rational world. Yeah, and the researchers in the, the article by saying, the findings show that the way that children differentiate among genres varies markedly depending on whether they have had a predominantly secular upbringing or religious or exposure to religion through their family, their school, or both. By implication, the environment in which children are raised has an important influence on the way they process and categorize the narratives they encounter. So it's almost like making kids gullible. I mean, I, I hate to say that, but but it's almost, I will say it. It's almost like making kids more prone to being duped. Yeah, because they are more likely to believe these things that aren't real. You know what I mean? And it's it's kind of sad. And and the the by the way the the sample size here for study one was sixty six children, and for the the second study was thirty three. So it's not huge, but um, it's it's a decent size for this type of study. Well, it's. The other thing that I take away from it, and one, that's good information to know that it is a relatively small sample size. We want to give the facts, you know, give all the data. But the other thing I, I think is striking that rather than say, and God, power of God, they say magic. And there's really no difference that God, he, he Moses or Gary used his staff and it split the Red Sea. It was actually the Sea of Reeds. It's not the Red Sea. But he splits the, the Sea of Reeds with his staff because God allowed it. If, if you use the word magic there, it's, it's no different. The story is not changed, but people look at it differently. Yeah. Because magic in our eyes is dumb and doesn't, it's, it's not real. But miracles and the, the work of invisible men in the sky, somehow, for some reason, has credibility and that's that's bizarre to me yeah the researchers also determined that religious teaching especially exposure to miracle stories leads children to a more generic receptivity toward the impossible that is a more wide-ranging acceptance that the impossible can happen in defiance of ordinary causal relations well it's it, it's dangerous and it is. It might not sound serious to people, but it really is because we want people to grow up and be critical thinkers and be able to assess reality, almost like Dr. Drew's uh, definition of mental health, accepting reality on reality's terms. Yes. We want to be able to understand what is real and what is not, and that will help us guide through the world in a more efficient way, I believe. And, and I would certainly want my kids to be able to judge what is real and what is not and to not be easily duped and to not be one of those people, not grow up to be one of those people. It's Well, it's important. It's important moving forward as a modern society and a modern people who use rationality and reason to navigate through a very complex world. It's important. The good thing is, I do believe that slowly but surely, you know, I think within 200 years time, some of this mythological, fantastical, magical type of stuff is going to be, people are going to be more on my side relative to how they view it than today. The bummer is I won't be around in 200 years to know whether I'm right. Yeah. <laughs>
So that's a great study, and we are absolutely going to put that up on the uh, I Doubt It with Dollamore podcast Facebook page. And I'll put a link to the abstract where you can go and click Get PDF, and I was able to get it for free, so... Hopefully you you are too. Yeah, hopefully that's still the same situation. So we are going to wrap it up with another story not having to do with religion, for those of you, oh, what a relief. Um, Jerry Sandusky's stepson is in the news. His adopted son, Matthew. Uh, he came forward with his own allegations of, ab- of abuse. And hearing the first victim take the witness stand against Jerry Sandusky helped push him to come forward with his, with his allegations. So Matthew Sandusky said in a Thursday broadcast of Oprah Prime that he recognized elements of his own abuse when he sat through testimony by a young man described in court as victim four someone he knew better than any of the other seven who had testified at the trial. Jerry Sandusky was convicted of various types of abuse involving 10 boys, including all eight who testify. Quote, But his story isn't his story. It's my story, Matthew Sandusky told Oprah. At this point, that's where the door really opened, and it kind of just hit me from every single detail that this man is talking about. He said he wonders if it wouldn't have been easier to simply keep quiet and not turn against his adoptive father, knowing it would alienate his family members who helped him in so many ways over the years. Um, So he witnessed the victim give his story in court. Mm -hmm. And uh, Matthew Sandusky, he had already given a interview with police detectives. And this was as an adult, because he was an adult by the time Jerry Sandusky was brought to justice. Yeah. And he had already given a 29-minute interview with police detectives. And this was at the time of the 2012 trial with Jerry Sandusky. Right. And the claim of oral sex was specifically denied in an audio tape with those police detectives. And then he came out now and or after the trial, after he had heard these witnesses go on and he had admitted that Jerry Sandusky did, you know, right. abuse it, him and, and in those ways that he had denied previously. Yeah. And so people have kind of been calling that into question, which is weird to me. I don't know that it's so much weird, but I think it's it's wildly insensitive that they wouldn't have the understanding of an adult that. There's multiple things at play here. You've got your reputation within your 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 tight family structure because those people were supporting Jerry Sandusky. But then you've also got in a in a, a masculine type of social structure that we have, not a man not wanting to be very open and honest about homosexual contact that he's had if he's not homosexual. It's there's a stigma behind that. and it, It's hard for an individual to, to come out and about being raped. Yeah. And not only that, it's, you know, he's a victim. And when you are being interrogated, not interrogated, even just interviewed casually. Right. Sure. It's embarrassing to admit the things that have happened, the abuse that's happened to you. And even if you know it's not your fault, it's still kind of hard to talk about, especially for a man who went through these things, you know, he was adopted. So that would be almost more of a betrayal to me. There's a lot of things at play here. And people are being very critical of him, um, not believing, they're not believing his story now because he has changed it. And people are just being fucking insensitive. Yeah, which he said he was molested, but didn't talk about the oral sex thing. Right. So... It's just, it's strange to me also because there were 10 victims that came forward and they didn't have a chance to hear each other before giving their statements about what happened, yet all their stories were the same. Right. So why is it implausible that Matthew Sandusky, Jerry Sandusky's adoptive son, wouldn't have endured the same thing? It makes sense that he would have endured the same thing. Very logical. Yeah. Which is gross and I don't want to read about what he did. Yeah, well, it's... Very fucking disturbing, and he needs to rot in prison for the rest of his life. Um, or he needs to submit to intense psychological and anatomical testing of his fucking brain to get to the bottom of it. Because he's he's a sick individual who who ruined the lives, destroyed the lives of 
many, 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 many young boys. And Matthew Sandusky says that he believes Jerry Sandusky does not think he harmed him or any of the other boys. He said, quote, I think that he believes the things that he was doing to us. That was love to him. That was him taking care of us. That was him being there for us when no other person would have been. So in his own to me, warped way, I truly believe that he believed that he cared and that he was loving us. And yeah, that's damn. really disturbing. Very, very disturbing. Because he took advantage of boys that didn't have a father, had came from bad family systems. Well, he, started, he started a charity yeah. specifically geared toward at-risk young boys. Yeah. Which is just like this recent case where they've arrested 25 or 35 sexual predators who are working for Disney yeah. on Disney properties. Yeah. It's no surprise that these these dirtbag predators are finding jobs where they have access to children. Yeah, it's really disturbing. Fuck. So I guess this would just be a lesson or a, 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 t a cautionary tale toward being too judgmental and siding having your your judgment fall on the side of the victim more than the abuser or the uh the person in power i guess yeah so so with that i think we'll wrap it up episode 39 how about that before you know it we'll be at episode 50 We'll have to do something special for episode 50, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I, a lot of people have been asking me about um, marijuana. Mm -hmm. um, our good buddy, um, James Holmes, who hosts the Nerd Out Loud podcast, he actually was asking me recently about if we've ever done any episodes on, on the legalization issue or the medicalization issue. Yeah. I think he used that term. And we are definitely going to do an episode, if not two, on legalization and just on generally on marijuana because there's so much misinformation out there. Yeah. If you're reading naturalnews.com and all these fucking wacky green science. Yeah, bullshit conspiracy theory type of websites. Leaf science. You're, if you're if you if high times is your source for science news related to marijuana. Please stop. You're doing it wrong. <laughs> so um, uh, to James Holmes, uh, host of Nerd Out Loud podcast, which is a great podcast. It's very conversational. They do a real good job over there. Uh, James, absolutely, we are going to do an episode. I don't know when. Maybe we'll do it for the 50th episode is, is kind of a, a special occasion. Yes. Because... That's going to require a lot of work on my part. Definitely everybody. is going to require some work. So use that Amazon link. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is a great segue. Uh, Dollamore.com. There is a Amazon link at the top right-hand side of the page. And there is a, a search bar for Amazon. If you want to buy a book or if you'd like to buy a rainbow flag to send to the group of truth wieners we just talked about, to Bob and Mike and, and baby bird Mike Fry, um, you can buy it at Amazon and, and I'm sure they'll ship it. And they could, they'll gift wrap it and everything. They they do everything. Take care of it for you. But with that, this has is going to conclude episode thirty nine. We appreciate you listening. We love you for your support. Well, we love you for you your humanity. We appreciate you for your support. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been another episode of I Doubt. Dinosaurs have always lived with man. Say what? Dinosaurs have always lived with man.